Hello everyone and welcome. My name's John. I'm part of the leadership team here at Lim Baptist Church and I'll be taking us through uh, this next in our series from Hebrews. First of all, I'd like us to open with a time of prayer. But you may have noticed that I'm wearing a, a t-shirt with the logo more and uh, what I'd like to do is just spend a, a minute thinking about this charity more. It's a charity that as a church we've worked with uh, very closely over the years. It's a charity that uh, reaches out to people in places like Mexico and South Africa and in Europe as well uh, to build houses, to build homes for those that don't have adequate accommodation, aiming to keep families together. And I received an email from the, uh, the head of the charity last week saying that as a result of the current coronavirus lockdown, they're really struggling. They're not able to build houses and homes for people who really need them. They're having to lay off people who look after the camps, who cook the food for people who go out to build. They're really struggling at this time. So as we open in prayer, I'd just like us to remember them. And I would ask also that you remember them in your personal prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to meet together, albeit at a, at a distance, to meet together to study your word, to dig into what you have to say to us. Father, I pray that your word would come alive tonight. Lord, that you'd speak through uh, the, the words that, are, that I speak out. Lord, that you'd interpret them uh, according to uh, the work of your Holy Spirit as he works in us, Lord, speaks to us. And Father, I do want to bring before you the, uh, the charity of more. And Lord, all those people, those dear friends that uh, we've worked with over the years who are now struggling uh, because of this current situation. Lord, would you be with them? Would you give them peace? Lord, would you uh, supernaturally provide opportunities that the work somehow that they do could carry on? Lord, that you'd bring an end quickly to the restrictions that they're under so that, Lord, they can carry on uh, their work being your hands and your feet in this world, bringing your good news, bringing your provision, bringing your love to people around the world. So Lord, be with us now as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned, we are uh, looking at the next uh, instalment from Hebrews, and I'm going to read uh, um, the, the passage now. And I'm going to start in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, verse 11, which is uh, picking up from where Simon left off um, last week. And the heading that uh, I've got in my Bible at least starts with uh, a subtitle of Warning Against Falling Away, reading from Hebrews 5. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, by though, this, uh, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not equated with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. 
and God permitting, we will do so. It's impossible for those who've once been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who've shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who've fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drink in the rain often falling on it, land that produces a crop useful to those for whom it's farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realised. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. For when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what he promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled uh, to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. One of my hobbies is rock climbing. And as you can imagine, during this current lockdown situation, practicing that has been somewhat tricky. So during uh, uh, a last weekend um, lockdown movie indulgence, I decided that I was going to watch the fr film Free Solo. It's a film that I've wanted to watch for some time, but never had a chance to get round to it. It's a film, it's really a documentary about a climber called Alex Honnold who's climbing uh, a famous route on a mountain El Capitan in Yosemite National Park in the USA. And whilst I really enjoyed the stunning scenery of Yosemite Park and the absolutely awesome climbing, it's one of those films where I was almost cringing to watch it at times. You know those kind of films where you want to hide behind the sofa um, barely watching. By the end of it, my uh, heart was racing, my hands were sweating. You see, when I go climbing, time for a prop, I always use a rope. The rope is tied to me, the rope is fixed to a secure anchor that is held securely in the rock. And if I fall, as sometimes I do, the rope catches me. 
it holds me securely. I may end up with a, a few scratches and bruises and bumps, but I can always get back onto the, the rock and continue my climb upwards. But the difference with Alex Honnold and the film Free Solo, he was climbing without a rope, without the help of anybody, using only his hands and his feet wedged into the tiniest of cracks, holding on to the uh, smallest of holes uh, on the rock surface, climbing 3,000 feet of almost sheer rock face, unaided. One slight slip, one little mistake, and it was sure that he would plunge to his death. You can imagine why now my heart was racing and my hands were sweating as I watched. Today we are looking at quite a difficult passage in Hebrews. It's a passage that worries some people because uh, there's two verses, verses 4 and 6 in chapter 6, that if you read it in a particular way, suggests that it's possible to lose your salvation. It's possible to lose the eternal life that God promises um, as a result of what Jesus did for us on the cross when he died to pay the price for us and he rose to defeat death that we might live. Now the film Free Solo keeps you hanging on almost to the end to find out whether or not Alex makes it to the top. But I'm going to dive straight in to those key verses to try and uh, see how we can understand this question that's posed by verses 4 and 6 and then circle around the rest of the, uh, the reading that we made today to try and bring a little bit of context to, to it. Now I have to say there's uh, two schools of thought about the way to interpret uh, um, uh, this passage and it basically boils down to two extremes. Either you can lose your salvation or you can't. It's really quite binary. Those who hold to the, uh, the former view, um, it's commonly called Arminian thinking, and, and those that uh, hold to the second view, that you can't lose your uh, salvation, is uh, the Calvinist view. Those who hold to the former thinking read these words, it's impossible if you've tasted of the goodness of God, if you've shared in his Holy Spirit, um, and then you fall away, to be brought back to repentance. That's it. There are things you can do that are um, so bad that causes you to lose that salvation. There is no more chance to repent. Now, for me personally, that is not the way that I read and interpret Scripture. And I think it's really important that when you read the Bible, you understand the very clear collective context of what God is trying to say. The word of God is not an isolated collection of uh, pithy phrases that we can pick and choose and, and apply in particular circumstances as we want. It's a book as a whole. As Timothy reminds us, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for instruction. So it's very dangerous just to take these uh, couple of verses in isolation and see that, uh, and, and, and take a doctrine from that and say, ah, well, this means this and it can't mean anything else. You see, Scripture is God-breathed. It's consistent. It's complementary throughout, and uh, it should be taken as a whole. So I want us to have a look at some other uh, verses that talk about 
um, the uh, security that we have in God and the, the faithful nature of the promises that he makes. There'll be uh, a few verses appear, hopefully, on, on screen as we go through this, but I'm just going to read out uh, some of these passages. There are many more, by the way. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height or depth, or anything else in all creation, in case we've missed anything, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 10, 28 to 29, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Philippians 1, 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes 3.14, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. 2 Corinthians 1.22 He's also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. 1 Corinthians 1.8 He will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. John 6.37 All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And then finally in this collection I put together Romans 11.29 For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. I hope you can see from all those verses, and as I say there's many more, it's pretty clear that what God gives to us as a gift is a permanent gift. Nothing can take it away, Nothing can be added to it. So, um, right from the start, we need to assume that our salvation, won by Jesus, is secure. And if that's the case, then uh, we need to understand, well, is this verse saying something different? How do we interpret it against the backdrop of all those other verses? And I find it quite exciting. Whenever you look at God's word and you find that something doesn't seem on the face of it quite to add up it's worth digging into it because you find some real great truths behind it when you really understand what God is saying to us so I think there's a number of different um, interpretations of these uh, verses verses four and six and I'm going to pick out just three of them the first one which is quite a, a common one is that the verses are hypothetical it's a well you know, if it was possible to fall away, then it would be impossible for you to, uh, um, you know, come back to repentance. Right? It's not really possible because you know, God's going to uh, uh, keep you. But if it was possible, um, then uh, you might uh, lose your salvation. But I would say, um, uh, first of all, the context doesn't stack up around that. And secondly, in the original text, there is really no word equivalent of if, that hypothetical if. The second possible interpretation is that it's talking about people who are not fully saved. They haven't been born again. They are not uh, Christians grafted in um, to the vine. Because the, some of the language used says um, it's impossible for those who've tasted of um, the uh, Spirit of uh, God, um, who've shared in it. 
who've tasted of the powers. It's not like a, um, they've been a real part of it. Maybe it's a hint that people have been kind of doing church, going through the motions, but they've not been being church. They've not uh, uh, made that personal commitment. And of course, this is true. It is possible to go along to church, to share in uh, and experience the, the gifts, um, experience uh, what's going on as people pray, as, as people are healed, but it never to sink into the heart. But can we really then say that um, it's impossible for those people who only just taste it, who are on the fringes, to be brought to repentance? Absolutely not. Jesus says the door is always open. Yeah, he stands there um, listening um, uh, for us to answer the knock that he makes on the door of our hearts. And we see examples like the prodigal son. You might be uh, familiar with that uh, parable where the son runs away and leaves his father but then decides to come back and the father's always there waiting to receive him uh, back into his, uh, his household. Not just as a, as a poor lowly servant or slave but as his son. And even the, um, the criminal uh, crucified alongside Jesus on Good Friday. It was never too late for him to accept. There was never, the door was never closed. So I don't think, although there's elements of truth in uh, um, you've uh, uh, got to be fully saved, I don't think there's any uh, real uh, mileage in seeing that uh, uh, the, the sole purpose of these verses are directed at those who aren't fully Christian. And I would say the only way that you can really lose your salvation is by not accepting it in the first place. So perhaps there's a key lesson to take out of this second interpretation. Don't be afraid of losing your salvation, but be afraid of not having it in the first place. So then the third one that I want to dig into a little bit more is that these verses are not really talking about salvation at all. It's talking about a slightly different context. And if you remember when we started um, this, this series on Hebrews, uh, the, the context was introduced that this, the writer was writing to um, Jews who had come into a belief in Jesus but were slipping back into some of their old habits. They were drawn back into the practices of Judaism, things that were associated with their, their Jewish heritage, things that they were perhaps comfortable with. And the writer's imploring them not to um, get sucked back into their old ways. Because by this time, they ought to be teachers, they ought to be discipling people, taking people on uh, in the faith. Um, but yet it seems that these people had not grasped the fundamental meaning of righteousness that was won for them by Jesus. You know, it's easy to slip back into old habits, isn't it? The Israelites... Uh, uh, were well known for this. We see this time and time again in the Old Testament. We see that uh, they've uh, not long been rescued from Egypt and they're then saying, oh, I wish I was back there rather than uh, you know, suffering here in the wilderness. Lot, when his family was uh, um, rescued by the angels from Sodom and Gomorrah before they were destroyed, Lot's wife turned back hankering after the old ways and as a result she turned into the, a pillar of salt even when the uh, Jewish nation inherited the promised land they still fell back into the idolatry that they were told not to do 
it's easy to fall back into old habits, rely on old ways of doing things. And I think that's a really important lesson for us today. Jonathan on Sunday was uh, um, uh, talking about Daniel and the good habits that he um, nurtured in terms of pray, praying and fasting and uh, spending time with God. We need to get into those good habits, not fall back into our old habits. Now verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 6 um, use some interesting language when it talks about the sign of maturity and moving on. And you might think on the face of it that they are um, things that uh, are are relevant to our uh, um, spiritual walk today, and and, and so they are. It talks about, um, some translations use the word baptism or or, um, ritual cleansing. Um, It talks about relying on faith. It talks about resurrection. But when you dig deeper, you'll actually see, I think, there's a, a real allusion to Old Testament testament practices you see it talks about ritual cleansing the kind of cleansing that uh, um, the high priests would have done as they prepare the sacrifices it talks about acts of repentance that lead to death the sacrificing of animals um, to pay for the sins of people it talks about laying on of hands and i believe that that's not about laying on hands uh, to anoint people or heal people it's the practice talked about in Leviticus 1 where the priests would lay hands on the animal sacrifices uh, before they were killed. It was a kind of uh, transmitting of the sins from the people uh, onto the sacrifice. It talks about faith in, in the context of uh, uh, how Abraham had faith and it was credited to him in righteousness. It's not faith in uh, um, Jesus, in the saving power of Jesus. And it talks about judgment as a result of righteousness. The Jews were expecting to be judged for the things that they did on earth um, when when they were resurrected. And what the writer is saying is, look, it makes no sense that if you've truly shared in the saving power of Jesus Christ, if you've accepted that gift of salvation that he paid once and for all then to go back and think that these rituals these animal sacrifices the laying your hands on them transferring your sin if you think that does any good at all it's impossible if you've already uh, engaged in that the saving work of jesus then to go back and expect you can add anything more through your own works it just doesn't make sense so stop doing it And I think this is the context. It's talking about the impossibility of hanging on to the old world uh, and thinking that we can do things ourselves that add anything to what Jesus has done. Because the writer says that if you do this, in effect you're nullifying the work that Jesus paid on the cross. It's like you're subjecting him yet again to uh, uh, public uh, disgrace because you're turning the triumph of the cross into a failure those criminals that were crucified either side of jesus that was a mark of the failure of their lives the failing they were being crucified because of the bad things they've done jesus by contrast his death was an absolute triumph it was uh, a completion of the the mission that god had given him on earth and was nothing uh, to be ashamed of but if we think we can do things ourselves if we can improve on jesus sacrifice we're bringing shame upon that. 
the writer says, stop it. Don't do that. Instead, put aside those um, kind of immature childish thoughts and go on to maturity, maturity in the assurance of what Jesus has done for us. And your response needs to be not to cling on to the old world, but to bear fruit. And uh, the, the passage goes on to talk about land that receives this rain, this uh, um, kind of living rain from Jesus that allows us to bear fruit in our lives. Um, that's what uh, is good, uh, the good thing to aspire to. And there's a bit of an allusion in here to the parable that Jesus told about the soils, the parable of the sower, and how some seed fell on uh, um, good soil and, and bore fruit um, many times over. But others um, landed on very shallow soil, quickly sprouted up and then withered away. Some were choked by the thorns. Some fell on a path and uh, um, didn't grow up at all. They were eaten by the, by the birds. And uh, I think that there's a, a very strong parallel between uh, the parable of the sower and this passage in Hebrews. The writer is imploring us to be rooted in the salvation, this surety um, of what uh, our hope is. Don't think that we can do things ourselves. Don't spring up quickly and just taste and see uh, um, a little bit of what God's got to offer and then walk away. He wants us to be uh, mature, to grow on in, in our faith. You see, what the writer says is faith in God is very binary. Our salvation is very binary. Either we uh, um, uh, accept salvation, accept that free gift um, and we're secure in that eternal knowledge or we reject it and live with the consequences eternally of that. Now if we accept the salvation that Jesus offers we can't just see that as something mediocre. We can't be uh, a bit meh about it. The writer's calling us to strive on to maturity because if this is true, if we have that eternal security, it is the most important thing we can ever know in our lives. It should be the fundamental underpinning purpose of why we live and what we live for. So strive on to bear that fruit, to be mature, to become teachers, to ground yourself in the word and to be disciplined in all you do. to strive to get to that point where we hear when we meet in heaven to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. And the writer finishes by uh, saying, we have an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now it doesn't say it's an anchor for our bodies or an anchor for our lives on earth. We may well face difficult uh, situations difficult circumstances. Things may go wrong. We may have a real struggle. Physically, emotionally, even spiritually, we might have difficult times. God doesn't promise that everything will be fine here on earth. But we have this anchor that is secure for the soul, our eternal um, destiny. And I don't know if you've noticed in the reading, where is that anchor? I'll just read those verses again. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. 
It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. This anchor is firmly in heaven, where Jesus is right now interceding for us. It's not an anchor that holds us back, it's uh, an anchor um, that secures us to our eternal destiny. I don't know where you are today. In this current situation, um, living in fear, perhaps, fear about jobs, fear about your health, fear about family, fear about what the world is going to look like when we uh, um, come through all this. God's given us a spirit, not of fear, but of assurance that he's in control, that he has our eternal destinies held, anchored securely in heaven. We don't need fear. Again, I go back to uh, um, Jonathan's message from Daniel this morning. He didn't fear um, the edict of Darius. He just got on and focused on what God was calling him to do. And God protected him. God kept him secure. So I guess the fundamental question that I'd like to leave us with today is, is your salvation secure? And I'm not questioning the eternal nature of Jesus' part in this. I'm questioning, have you made that decision to uh, accept the free gift? Because once you've accepted it, nobody, nothing can take that away. Nothing can change it. The only thing that can stop it is uh, us not accepting it in the first place. Now, I'll go back to that climbing story. As it happened, Alex Honnold made it to the top, an absolute fantastic feat of climbing. Uh, I don't know, I have no idea how he did it, um, never been repeated again. It was just absolutely awesome. But the climbing world is littered with stories about people who've tried similar things and have failed, who've fallen and have died as a result. Now, I don't know what Alex Honnold's eternal destiny will be, but in, uh, in the world, if we just rely on our own strength, our own capability to hang on, to climb through the difficult things, um, to deal with things in our own strength, sooner or later, whether that's in, uh, in our uh, living being or whether it's when we die, we have to face the fact that if we haven't accepted that gift of salvation, then there's severe eternal consequences for us. I urge you, make sure that your eternal security uh, is firm in Christ, anchored in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you sent your only son, Jesus, to be a sacrifice for us once and for all, that he paid the price for all sins, for all men, and there's none that you want to be lost. Father, I pray that uh, we who uh, have accepted uh, that forgiveness, accepted that salvation, that righteousness that comes with it, Lord, that we'd never forget what the price that Jesus paid. We'd never doubt him, and Lord, that we would uh, carry on seeking to grow in faith and love and, and in fruit-bearing for you, Lord. But Lord, those who haven't, I pray that their eyes would be opened, that they would be enlightened, to what it is that you want to give to them in terms of a gift of eternal life.
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.